Welcome to You've Got Potential, a podcast about the work and lives of undergraduate researchers. And today our guest speaker is Dejasi, and I've known her since, or we've been good friends since middle school, and we followed each other to Rutgers as roommates um, until the coronavirus, and we've like been on top of each other's research uh, paths, and so I was very um, it was very easy for me to annoy her about getting on this podcast. Uh, I didn't feel guilty at all. And so now we have her here. And so if you'd like to introduce yourself and give like a brief synopsis about your research. Sure. Um, so like Monica said, I'm Dejasvi. Um, I'm going to be a senior in the fall in um, at Rutgers. Um, I'm majoring in molecular biology and biochemistry. I'm minoring in religion. So that's pretty different. Uh, I'm going like down a pre-med path, but I'm super into research and uh, the research that I'm doing is more of like basic science. So we work on C. elegans and I'm, I've always been super interested in embryonic development. So that is what we study and that's really fun. We study the actin dynamics during different processes such as ventral enclosure and C. elegans embryos as well as in corpse engulfment and like watching how those two things are similar and different and why the same uh, guidance receptors and everything are uh, differentially regulating those things. So, yeah. Cool, thank you. Could, I, could you like give a brief summary about what a C. elegant is for anyone who is not familiar? Right, right. I'll try my best to describe it. Um, C. elegans is a small, like it's, it's called a nematode. It's a little tiny worm. You can kind of see them with your bare eye, but you have to use microscopes basically to even look at the animals. You grow them up on like little mini petri plates and um, yeah, they're transparent. So that's really good for imaging like fluorescent um, proteins and stuff. And it's really pretty to look at the embryos and watch different things like the actin and other molecules. So it has a short lifespan. It's just a great model organism. I, I, love, the, I love my worms. <laughs> So how did you get into your current project and what made you choose it? Yeah, so um, if anyone's like going to Rutgers, like you would, you might know that there's a like an introductory research type class um, that a lot of freshmen take. It's like the honors intro to research in molecular bio biology and biochemistry with Dr. Vershawn. Um, so I took that my fall semester of freshman year. And then after that, I was like, Hmm, I should go into research. And at that time, I wasn't like really sure if I really wanted to go into pre-med, I wanted to weigh out my options. So I was like, I'm going to get into research. So I started looking at a bunch of labs and uh, I saw this lab first and I was like, I want to go, but uh, my PI is actually in the medical school. And for some reason I was like, she's not going to take me because I'm just like a freshman and they don't want like stupid freshmen or something. So I didn't apply to her first. And I asked a different PI they said they didn't have space in the lab. So I, I just asked her and she was like, yeah, come on in. And um, yeah, like the rest is history. That was the project they were working on. I got really into it and now I'm kind of working on it for my senior thesis. Um, I guess I'll get a little bit more into what the science of it is. Um, so when we first started, there's our, our PI has uh, published a paper in the past just detailing the guidance receptors and, and the different molecules that um, sort of regulate the actin and the different cytoskeletal components during the process of ventral enclosure and other things. So 
we they figured out that sed 10 or rac one as it's usually called in mammalian systems is the gtpase that's um sort of catalyzing all of these events so the next step was to figure out what is uh, regulating the gtpase um so there are, for anyone who doesn't know there are two different types of things that are usually um, regulating GTPases, which are GEFs, which are guanine exchange factors, and GAPs, um, GTPase activating proteins. So we started looking into what GEFs could possibly um, be um, regulating said 10 in the, in the worms. So at that time, what we were actually doing is we were there are 19 known GEFs in C. elegans. So we were doing RNAi screens on like with all of them. So we were just like putting these worms on these RNAi's to knock down whatever this GEF might be. And then we would sit there and then we would count the lethality, the embryonic lethality for just said 10 mutants versus the said 10 mutants with these GEFs. And so based on that, we started narrowing down, um, you know, whatever GEFs we might think it would be. And over time, I guess a previous undergraduates have also worked on the GEF that I've been working on, which is SED5, SED12, or DOC-ELMO, as it's called in mammalian systems. Um, and, the, and the thing that they found that was interesting is that there was like a sort of dual um, regulation. It was not doing what they were expecting it to do as a GEF in certain places, but then it was in other places. And so I kind of got sucked into that. And why is it doing two different things to summarize? I don't know if that was short or not. When doing background research on you for this episode, I saw that you were credited on tons of different research posters and papers, collaborating with people in different departments and even other universities. So how'd you get involved in so many different projects? Um, I feel like when you search it up, it probably looks a lot more impressive than it actually is. So some of the posters were probably um, like with my own lab and like other students were doing research and they probably just cited some of the images or some of the work that I did in that poster. So that's just one thing. And then last summer actually, um, well, to back up a little bit more, in spring of 2020, uh, I took a class at the Protein Data Bank. It was about molecular mechanisms um, of drug action in the central nervous system. And so that was super cool. I was always really interested in the protein data bank. And then I found out the class was there. I was like, wow. And then turns out they really liked me and they selected me for an internship. So I was like super, super grateful for that. And the internship, it was a project on COVID-19 evolution. So what we were doing is we were taking the sequences that were being published um, by like whatever agencies and organizations from like all the COVID-19 testing. And we were taking that and doing like molecular modeling. So I guess some protein uh, structures had already come out of the COVID-19 proteins. And based on that and the mutations we were seeing, we were modeling them to see like how the virus has evolved. And uh, yeah, that was, that was the research of the summer. It was super cool. Um, but yeah, I think that was probably what a lot of those results were. Um, but yeah, it was just, it's probably like two things, but it looks more impressive than it actually is. Ah, it's still pretty interesting on its own though. Yeah, it is. I have a question for you with regards to this project, but more in relation to 
the world situation we were all in at the time and the topic of the research was in like related to that so first question is um i i think i understood before you've been working on your um embryonic development lab since freshman year mm -hmm. or something along along those lines um were you able to continue your research at the time you were doing your internship? And if so, how did you manage being in two different things at once? Um, to be honest, I didn't really continue it in the summer. Um, I did finish out whatever, like, cause I was signed up for research for credit in the spring of 2020. So honestly, I didn't have that much data. So I just like took some movies that people already had and I like reanalyzed them to make sure that we were actually doing the right thing. And then I tried to do like some like protein alignment stuff. Um, and that was like what my paper was then. But in the summer, I didn't really keep up with the lab. I, I like, there were some meetings that I went to like every now and then, but I wasn't like actively doing research. And even in the fall, um, I wasn't going to lab. I just went to our like weekly lab meetings, but I wasn't doing too much. It was only in like this spring that I started physically going back to the lab and doing research and getting the credit for it. So yeah, I didn't like, I didn't do two labs at once. I'm not like superwoman or anything like that. Thank you for your answer. And then uh, my second one is kind of like um, a follow-up in the sense that when you were working on your COVID research, First of all, how did it feel? I mean, I guess uh, one of our first episodes as a podcast team was uh, reflecting on the difficulties and the challenges that COVID brought to research and undergraduate students. And um, how was it for you to study the virus that has basically made our generation like so impacted and like historically has created a new chapter for like future textbooks basically? Yeah, I mean, it was it was really surreal because I feel like I'm sure other people felt the same way, but I have I was having like a really hard time at the time that we went home. Um, and like it was just hard to see like so much death and so much suffering and to see like the way that our, you know, our presidential administration was handling things and the selfishness that we saw from people around us. It was it was really like taking a toll on me. Um, and it just felt like I wasn't being able to do anything to help. Like I wasn't even like going to the hospital to volunteer anymore. Like that was like one thing I was like, oh, maybe we can keep doing that. But then that got shut down. So I felt so useless. And it was, it was just really nice, like to have, first of all, just something to like focus my energy on in the summer. And then also to like, feel like that something I'm doing might be helpful for some research, even if it's not that much. I feel like I'm at least learning something and maybe it might be useful to somebody in the future, right? Uh, you've mentioned you're like pre-med. Um, are you interested in pursuing an MD, PhD career given like your enthusiasm about research? I'm like so intrigued. Yeah, um, so that's one that I keep going back and forth on. I think for now I've decided that I don't wanna do the PhD. Um, but yeah, last year I was really considering it. I talked to a lot of people to see if that was the right path for me. I think in the end, I don't see myself um, running a lab, to be honest. I feel like I want to practice medicine more than I do run a lab and have to worry about, you know, getting grants and things like that. So I just feel like that that is not going to be like a useful investment of my time, even though I may enjoy it. Um, 
I don't know. I feel like we also have to be a little bit realistic about the way we pursue our education, our career plans. But I think I will still be doing research. I might, I think I'm going to be taking a gap year. So I may do research in that time. I don't know what I'm going to do. But yeah, that's, I'm not doing an MD, PhD, but definitely still research while I'm in medical school. What does your day in the lab look like? And follow up to that, what is the most like annoying or like, tedious thing about your lab because just to give some people perspective like lab science isn't always the most glamorous as you might imagine um so just yeah just to get like a realistic (laughs) picture of what that looks like um let's see as a full can Mm -hmm. i ask how was that changed with covid and how do you see it um, maybe going back to normal or changing again in the upcoming year, which is the last one for all of us, actually. So, Yeah. Um, so there's always the constant job of having to maintain your worms. Like you have different strains going, so you just have to keep transferring them to different plates like every three days. So uh, I usually leave that as like an end of the day job because I'm like, I, it's not that high priority. Um, if I have any crosses going on or like genetics, um, I usually start my day off by like looking at where my worms are at, if it's the day for me to continue it on. And if I need to like speed it up by putting it at a higher temperature or something, then that's there. Um, in terms of doing uh, like embryonic lethality counts, you usually have to like pick a bunch of embryos from the plates and make a bunch of pads and count them I honestly like doing that a lot because it's just like really meditative I just put on my music or whatever and then I go sit at the microscope for hours and I just sit there and count and look at the embryos which is always fun for me um same thing with imaging I really enjoy doing that um in terms of what I don't really like doing um especially when it starts failing PCR is so irritating I just hate it so much like for a while now it's been going good and then I have this one thing that's just not working and my PI keeps saying like oh get new primers do this do that I'm like I don't want to do it anymore it's just really tedious especially when it keeps failing you're like oh god what is the point so yeah that is probably my least favorite thing to do in terms of COVID um when we all went home like my worms were just like sitting there (laughs) and I guess they like put them at a lower temperature for a while but uh yeah my PI was still going in a few times a week and our lab tech was still going in a few times a week but I honestly didn't have anything to do with it um I I just like couldn't worry about it because like what am I going to do about it uh I think yeah, now now it's been okay, even though we've had COVID, but we still have masks on all the time, which I don't know. The only annoying thing about that is sometimes it like fogs up the microscope lenses if you're not careful. Um, but yeah, like recently it hasn't really had much of an effect. You're just like wearing a mask all the time, which is not a big problem, but it was more affecting uh, the types of work you could even do when we weren't allowed to go into lab. So that's when I did a lot more of that, like protein alignment and and just reading in general, because you just can't do anything else. Thank you for your answers. Um, Kind of inspired by this um, research environment talk, I would like to ask you a question that is similar to what uh, we asked right now, but with another twist to it. So we've just 
talk about how what are the things that you like doing or what you don't like doing in the lab like with regards to your project but what about uh, research in general you seem so passionate about it and i would love to learn what about research exactly makes you happy or like maybe what are the characteristics of research that makes you make you pursue it as an activity as you are also a student and like like we've been talking in one of our prior episodes and at some point today, it is tedious to be with a student and a researcher. And then you mentioned before you used to do volunteering at a hospital. I mean, it must be pretty a hectic lifestyle. So I would love to learn about what about research do you like and uh, what keeps you going with regards to it? Yeah, I mean, I think I've always been interested in what research would actually be like I never really had a clue of what it would be when I was in high school, but I was just like, it would be so cool to work in a lab. And so I started doing it in freshman year of college and it was really hard at first because you just, you don't know anything. Your skills are not that good in terms of just doing anything, even the so-called simple things, you just mess it up all the time. It was really hard at first. <laughs> I'm not even gonna lie. I used to get so discouraged because like simple things would fail all the time. But, you know, after a certain point, if you just keep pushing, you'll get better at those things. And then that's when you can start to do the real work. And when you start designing your own experiments and you start like reading up on things and getting ideas on what to do, and then you execute that and you actually get the results you might have expected or just even something totally new, even if it's not what you expected. It's so cool and it's so interesting because it's like you're the one who's doing it, right? Because no one else has done it before. I mean, we all used to read the stuff in the science textbooks in high school and we're like, oh yeah, I mean, like obviously everyone's always known that, duh. But somebody had to sit there and like slave away to figure out what it was. And it's like, it's super cool because now you're getting to do it. And I've always loved science so much. And I think this is um, just the embodiment of what I love and I get to do it myself with my own hands, which is which is why I'm so passionate about it, even when things get tough. <laughs> Has doing research helped you consolidate your passion for medicine and your wish to go into medicine? Uh, yeah, I think so. I think it definitely has because I always thought about doing um, medicine when I was younger. And then I came to college, I wasn't really sure that was definitely what I wanted to do. So that's why I started doing research. Um, as much as I do enjoy doing the science and just having fun, like being a student, I don't see myself doing it forever. Um, I'm enjoying it right now because, you know, I've always loved school. I mean, call me crazy or whatever, but <laughs> it's just fun to like sit and learn about things. Um, but definitely, I, I know like what I'm missing right now is having that hands-on experience. I was really upset when we had to like stop just doing any sort of like clinical stuff last year. Um, and so that really proved to me, I think I definitely need to go down this path. And as much as I love research, I don't see myself doing just that for the rest of my life. I think we all felt you when you said you love learning. I think... Um... I have a feeling that people that enjoy research and enjoy um, medicine too, because it is a field that requires you to have to learn so much stuff. We are all passionate learners. So there's no craziness, nothing of that kind associated with it. 
Yeah, we're on a podcast where we discuss the stuff we're doing in school. So there's nothing all that weird about it to us. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I have a question about, so at this point, like what are future directions that um, you're going to take as a, a re undergrad researcher and then like for your future, you mentioned you want to go to med school, but have you, I mean, I don't know, I feel like some people know it from the day they were born and some other people are like, oh, maybe I'll just wait for rotations and I have an idea, but you mentioned you're interested in embryology and then uh, you did a work on evolution, which to me, evolution a lot of times makes me feel like, like progression and birth of something new. So do you have any particular medical discipline that is catching your interest at this point or do you feel like you don't know yet? Um, I mean, it, it kind of uh, kind of goes with it. Like I, I do have more of a go with the flow attitude about it. I never know, I, I'm not gonna know what happens. I may end up hating what I think I want. But I've been really interested in going down like the OB-GYN path or even neonatology, which is like super niche. Um, if anyone doesn't know what that is, it's like um, dealing with premature babies and uh, their development. So that is like a really, really long path if I do decide to go down that way. But that's always been something that's so cool to me. Like I said, I've always been so interested in development. So this lab felt like a perfect fit for me. And I don't know, maybe that's what I'll end up doing in the future. That sounds so beautiful and honestly, like, so cute. Like, imagine these all day, every day, that's honestly. Yeah. Sweet. And like the, the premature ones also need so much care and attention. And I love it. I wish you the best for it. And I really, really enjoyed them uh, going with the flow attitude. I think it's important in life. I guess from there, um, like, having that go with the flow attitude, um, not setting um, or not being too rigid in um, what you want your future to look like and allowing for flexibility and change. What other like pieces of advice or things that you've learned so far in your undergrad journey as a researcher and student and pre-med um, can, like what advice from that can you give to other people who are maybe in the same situation? Yeah, um, I think other people can probably also attest to this, but I haven't been this go with the flow all the time. I mean, I've never been like too strict about, oh, it has to be this way. But if you knew me in high school, I was so, I, I don't know what was wrong with me. I sat there and I like plotted out what every single course I was going to take in high school as if that was going to matter at all. Like, <laughs> I think coming to college, you get a lot more perspective about what your life might actually look like in the real world, even though it's still sort of removed. Um, I think especially in the pre-med world, there tends to be a lot of pushing for just, I don't know, just filling up your schedule like crazy and just not having any time to enjoy yourself at all. And everything has to be a certain way. You can't do anything fun. It doesn't have to be like that. You know, you're, it's open for you. You're, this is your college years. You know, you should enjoy yourself while also studying hard. I think um, it's important to expose yourself to a lot of different things. Uh, I mentioned at the beginning that I'm a religion minor. So that has been super fun for me because I've always also been interested in like religion and how that um, impacts humanities. 
So that's like a fun, like step away from rigorous molecular biology courses. Um, yeah. And then, yeah, I think just keep an open mind. Don't be too strict about things that you don't have to be too strict about and just be willing to see what comes in the future and don't like punish yourself for, for it if it's not what you expected. And yeah, I don't know. I, I don't really have that much advice. I'm not that much older. <laughs> That's fine. I, I wanted to say like, yes, I, I knew you in high school and I was also planning those courses probably with you, um, trying to see like who's teaching what and why are they bad and why are they not? Um, and then like, I've also like watched you like become less and less I guess neurotic while I was also still neurotic because like we started off going into records both as CBN majors and then you were just like peace out I'm an MVB major now and then you got a religion minor and I'm just like what is she doing why is she doing this and then like I'm like oh okay she's actually like enjoying herself so props to you for realizing that before I did <laughs> um okay why did you switch? I switched. <laughs> I to learn. <laughs> I've always been interested just in the molecular dynamics of things. And that class was super interesting. I don't know. I just, I really wanted to sit and like pick apart like the smallest little details about things. So I just felt like, I don't know, MBB was going to be a better fit. Plus I like chemistry. So I thought, I was like, oh, it's perfect. It'll be perfect. <laughs> I'm outnumbered here. You're all like all MVP. I'm like the only yeah. one. I don't know if you guys can relate to this, but I feel so weird when we're like transitioning from a class to a lab environment when they ask you like that serial dilution for real, for real, or like, as you mentioned, like the PCR for real, for real. Like I think I've we've learned about PCR in at least like four classes each. And then you get to the machine and you're like, hello, what language do you speak? I don't know what you are. <laughs> <laughs> um uh, I think like the reverse is also like the same I feel like because I started going to lab in freshman year and then I started learning I mean like my research is focused on like GTPases and then when I was taking biochemistry and molecular biology I was like oh my god I know about this like <laughs> we're learning about this from a textbook and I know about this it's it's so cool both ways I feel like I really wanted to thank you Jasmine, for being here with us today. I mean, it's super, super exciting for all of us every time when we get to, first of all, meet, meet <laughs> a new uh, student who's like passionate about research. Um, our intentions with the creation of this podcast is really to get a conversation going about undergraduate research, research in general, and like learning something new. Like we, we love learning. We love being exposed to new information and uh, um, hearing it from the students themselves, I think it's one of the best ways to learn like peer to peer. So thank you for being here. Um, I wish you, but I'm sure we all do, bestest wishes for the future. Uh, best of luck with your project for senior year. I'm sure with your drive and your passion and your enthusiasm, you will achieve an amazing thesis and um, in your gap year, I hope you can acquire all the experience you want and um, get closer to your dream to practice medicine. And, and um, I would like to remind you that you are a great student and you've got a lot of potential. 
And thank you so much again for tuning with us today. Oh, of course. This has been so fun. You're so nice. I wish you guys all the best too. And uh, yeah, I mean, this has been so great. It's so fun to talk to people about research who are also passionate about it because it's hard to find sometimes. Thanks for not killing me for asking you to be here. <laughs> no, no, I enjoyed it, honestly. Okay. Okay. <laughs>